0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge
1: on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Well, well, let me play this clip for you
0: because this kind of ties together that story and the other big story from the weekend that we're going to talk about here, uh, the debate south of the border, that certainly I think to some extent spilled over north of the border uh, about President Trump and this executive order on refugees. This today, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer.
1: Start off by... um Noting that the president got off the phone just a short time ago with Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau to discuss the vicious attack on a Quebec City mosque last night, the president offered his condolences as well as his thoughts and prayers to the victims and their family and to all Canadians. This is another senseless act of violence that cannot be tolerated. The president also pledged to support the Canadian police and intelligence service in any way necessary. Prime Minister Trudeau was extremely appreciative. And he was also cautious to draw conclusions on the motives at this stage of the investigation, and the president shared those thoughts. Canadian law enforcement officials are actively investigating this matter. We condemn this attack in the strongest possible terms. It's a terrible reminder of why we must remain vigilant and why the president is taking steps to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to our nation's safety and security. We are, of course, praying for those injured in the attack and are keeping in close contact with officials in Quebec and Canada. All right, so
0: Sean Spicer suggesting there that the attack in Quebec justifies Donald Trump's refugee ban. He didn't explicitly say so, but certainly implied that. So what happened is the United States, as of Friday, and it was certainly a chaotic weekend, but the order bans refugees for 120 days. and also bans every traveler. From seven countries, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Sudan, Libya, Somalia, and Yemen. There's been some confusion as to whether that includes dual nationals, uh, green card holders, etc. Now the ACLU went to court and got an injunction against this order. So it's unclear where this all goes from here. Joining us uh, for some further thoughts on what this really means and what it accomplishes. Pleased to welcome the program here today, Matt Welch, uh, editor-at-large, Reason.com, Reason Reason Magazine. Matt, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: All right. Well, given the uh, court injunction that that the ACLU won, where do things stand today, as you understand it?
2: Well, uh, the biggest news besides the court injunction, of which we're not exactly sure how the administration is going to respond to it, because there's been at least a few uh, incidences at airports where the uh, Customs and Border Patrol have not complied in the exact way uh, that has been intended. Um, but generally speaking, there has been an injunction for those who were already on airplanes and who's already been uh, whose status has already been uh, vetted in uh, previous rules. Uh, the biggest change besides that is that the administration and the Department of Homeland Security reversed the uh, previous interpretation of this and said that it does not uh, refer to uh, green card holders, people who have legal permanent residency in the United States. As originally uh, uh, interpreted and written, the uh, Trump administration told over the objections of the Department of Homeland Security and other people, uh, said yes, this will apply to people from those seven countries uh, who happen to have green cards here. So you've lived in America for four years. You have a 10-year green card, but you happen to be traveling to one of the seven countries where you're from originally. Um, then you will be stranded. You won't be able to come to the airport. They have uh, changed that now, so the, the presumption is that they will come in. Um, this is not necessarily going to make everybody from those countries. Uh, Iran, being the, uh, probably the largest one of uh, settled and assimilated American residents, uh, it's it's not likely to have them calm down at all, and you certainly have uh, uh, demonstrations and a lot of legal aid um, springing up all over the country at airports uh, everywhere. It's really, uh, it's a gut-check moment. I live in New York uh, in a community that has a lot of of, uh, French-speaking nationals because of a nearby school here that has a French language program, and uh, you hear a lot of statements from people who themselves are either green card holders Everybody knows refugees for sure, but they all know foreigners who live here. A lot of statements along the lines of, I can't believe this is happening in this country. Um, and this is, you know, this is from French people who believe <laughs> the worst yeah. about America sometimes. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's, very, uh, it's been a very shocking couple of days for people who have international friends.
0: Well, does it seem then like this was rushed on the part of the administration that they weren't really sure what exactly it was they were doing? And that maybe this, this chaos is a result of that?
2: Oh, my God, yes. I mean, there's been uh, serial reporting that uh, things happening like uh, they were on the phone with the head of Department of Homeland Security uh, talking through like, what this could possibly mean for the first time, really. Um, and while they were having this conversation, Donald Trump was signing the order live. So like, you want to have that conversation maybe a little bit beforehand? Um, this, uh, by uh, every account of lawyers I know who have looked at this document, uh, if any lawyer saw this, that lawyer should probably be disbarred for incompetence. It is so poorly written and that's one reason why the ACLU and others are going to win uh, and have been winning these injunctions, not necessarily just that the policy is a suspect, but the wording of it is insane. Uh, and, and they're also trying to interpret this and, and kind of dodge back by saying, well, you know what we're going to be There will be exceptions to this rule that will be handled on a case-by-case basis, as their words, uh, the administration's words. Well, that calls into question kind of of rule-of-law issues. Um, You know, what rules do you live in? Is it arbitrary? Is it not? And uh, it really – it's already, as you well know, um, uh, it it can be pretty harrowing for people who are not U.S. citizens to cross into the border here. All it takes is – a border patrol agent who doesn't like the way you look or smell and you get pulled into the dark room for questioning uh, for two three hours well uh, now instead of two or three it could be you know 15 or 20 uh, and this is happening to kids and grandmas and these kind of things so to to add that extra element of uncertainty including the people who thought that they had followed all of the rules, uh, is, uh, is something that uh, is making people pretty anxious. now. Right.
0: Now, all the people being affected by this are Muslims. It obviously doesn't include all Muslim countries. There are obviously Muslim countries that are exempt from this, so I suppose it's not an outright Muslim ban. But certainly Donald Trump promised a Muslim ban. How, how close to it is this?
2: Well, um, so what we have to keep in mind is that this is an outright refugee ban, period. And this is actually getting underplayed in all the brouhaha. Um, the United States, since 1980, has taken in an average of a little more than 200 refugees per day uh, from all over the world. Uh, it was a high point of 207,000 in a year in 1980, a uh, low point uh, during the first Bush administration in the 20s but basically 200 a day from all over the world. That has stopped. That, that window slammed shut on Friday and will not open until Memorial Day down here, the end of May. So that is an unprecedented move. If you're, getting, if you're the victim of genocide, if a hurricane has destroyed your entire country, whatever, uh, if you're a Christian being persecuted by Muslims or vice versa, you cannot come into this country for four months. Um, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so in addition to that, yes, uh, the seven countries that are targeted for a 90-day ban, not just of refugees, but of everybody who does not have a diplomatic passport, mind you. And also for people, um, I might add, who are dual nationals of countries, whether it's Canada or Mexico or, or, uh, you know, all visa-waiver countries. If you're a dual national, like a French uh, and Iranian citizen, you cannot come into America for the next 90 days, period. Even if you left and fled the mullahs when you were two years old, uh, tough luck. You're a dual citizen. You can't come in. So... All this is happening. Those seven 90-day countries are all, yes, majority Muslim countries. And the order itself, which is long and interesting, um, stresses that uh, from now on, there's going to be even more of, an, uh, of a uh, prioritization of people who are religious minorities in the places that they're being persecuted. Now, we already have that prioritization, it is true. Um, it uh, emphasized this strongly in Donald Trump. President Trump, in, in interviews with uh Christian Broadcast Network himself emphasized the Christian um, uh, victims of, of persecution abroad in connection with this order. So did his spokesman, Sean Spicer. So it's clear that they want to elevate the cause of the Christian minority once the refugee process is restarted. So it gives it some of the flavor of, hey, look, this is tilting against Muslims. The other part is that Rudolph Giuliani, former New York mayor, uh, said on Fox on Friday that he helped write this order, and he wrote it at the behest of Donald Trump, who said to him something along the lines of, hey, look, I know I can't do a Muslim ban, but what can I do legally? So it has the whiff of a Muslim ban. It certainly is not a Muslim ban, and, and even the, the emphasis on religious minorities does not use the word Muslim or Christian in it, um, but it also, in in its other language, Talks a lot about how people who are coming into this country, we have to know that they have they cherish American values as opposed to, let's say, favoring honor killings. And elicit a few things that are more uh, prevalent or notorious among Muslim uh, communities and countries than they are among Christian or other sects out
0: yeah. there. You know, here's the thing: I, I think most people agree that, that it's reasonable to vet refugees or vet anybody, I suppose, who's traveling to or passing through whether it be the United States or, or Canada. And maybe we, we do need to give priority to, to certain groups that, that are being persecuted. But Canada and the U.S., Matt, seem like we're in a unique position because unlike Europe, we don't really have these refugees showing up on our shores. Uh, these are people being resettled. These are people who spend, in many cases, years in these resettlement camps who go through all kinds of levels uh, of screening. Is, is a lot of this being overlooked in, in all of this fear?
2: Yes, of course, uh, and deliberately so. President Trump on the campaign trail and almost every other Republican running, once they saw him being successful doing this, conflated the refugee crisis in Europe with uh, the refugee policies uh, in America. These things have very little in common except for the country of origin. And that's because uh, from Syria and from Afghanistan and other places – you can get to Europe pretty easily. You can go by land or by sea, and it 's not a long voyage. It can be arduous and terrible, but it 's uh, equivalent to Cuba uh, or or Central America coming into the United States. You can just get here get there a lot quicker. so the average uh, uh, intake of these countries was much larger than the intake of Syrians here. We uh, uh, accepted a little less than thirteen thousand Syrians last year that 's it um, uh, compared to uh, to you know, uh, hundreds of thousands in uh, in Europe. And so they looked at that and said, "Oh my God, everyone is a military-aged male." Well, no, because you have to go through two years of vetting process. The majority of refugees that are accepted in this country are female. It's a slight majority, but they're female. They're not 19 or 23-year-old males uh, who are, you know, looking shifty towards the exits. So this conflation was very, very deliberate because they could sense that they could make some politics out of it, and indeed they have. Uh, and uh, and they also consistently stressed. A couple of things that are objectively untrue. One is that uh, Christians were effectively banned from uh, getting in through the refugee front door, which is not true. There's not many Christians to go on with, and there's a couple of cultural reasons why they don't end up in refugee camps in the Middle East, but it's not our own policies that have prevented that from getting there. And then the other thing that they continue to say is that we don't know who any of these people are. There's no screening. That's just a complete uh, mischaracterization of the process. There are areas in which that process can and should be improved for sure, but to characterize it as just kind of some blank check. Coming in is uh, objectively false, and because they uh, uh, campaigned on that falseness, they're now governing on the same types of falseness uh, in the way that they applied this order. Uh, so it's uh, it's not a, a very happy day for people who have been working, um, you know, uh, sort of diligently on, in this area for decades uh, and, and creating a system which has flaws to be sure. But is not just uh, the chaos that it was portrayed to be.
0: Matt, what about the argument that the Obama administration wasn't much better, that they didn't really admit all that many Syrian refugees? There was a period, I think, in 2013 where they froze, uh, where they stopped processing Iraqi refugee applications for for a period of six months. Does any of that hold hold water here in this conversation?
2: A couple of things about that. The the six month uh, Iraqi thing was not uh, uh, stopping. Um, every single month during that period, which came about after there were uh, some Iraqis in uh, Kentucky, I believe it was, who were uh, caught uh, plotting a, a terrorist attack. So they slowed down the process. We admitted 6,000 refugees in tw- uh, 2011 compared to, let's say, 18,000 the year before and and, uh, and five digits the year afterwards. So, it was a slowdown, it wasn't a, it wasn't a stop. And it was only to refugees, and it was for a reason. Um, you know, it was reacting to something, and it was tightening up the situation in which that tightening stays with us. That's much different than saying every human being from a country can't come here for 90 days, let alone that every refugee on the planet cannot come here for four months. So it's a little bit apples to oranges. The part about the Obama administration not accepting enough refugees, I totally agree. Uh, it's been a stain on the conscience for uh, a long time now. One part of that is, however, just because of the slowness of the refugee admission process, the real humanitarian crisis in Syria, the Civil War, really started taking root in 2011. Well, the, the admission process, which people have been criticizing as being you know, no process at all, it's not screening, it takes two years. So it takes a while for these populations to kind of build up. And it was one of the reasons why President Obama had uh, increased the target number of uh, refugees overall, because we have more refugees in the world than we did five, six years ago, and also refugees from Syria. So he bumped the number up to 110,000 as the target refugee number, uh, as opposed to the 85 or so that we took in last year. Um, Trump, in his order here, has said, no, the number that we're going to be doing from now on is 50 thousand. So that's a pretty sharp, uh, I would say, even radical reduction from the the recent past, even if it is higher than some of the years worth of refugees that we took during the presidency of George W.
0: Bush. Uh, And Matt, just in closing here, so if this is all meant to be temporary. What's the likelihood that in four months from now, uh, the president's going to say, hey, turns out everything's fine and we're going to drop all of this? Where where, where does this go long run?
2: I don't think that's likely. Um, I think that he campaigned. Uh, and, uh, and made promises to the American public. I don't believe it when, I'm, you know, I'm a libertarian, so I'm a little bit more skeptical about government claims, but whenever a government uh, uh, tightens down on something and calls it temporary, you kind of reach for your wallet. These things tend to last longer than you expect. And the wording of the rules are, we will revisit all this process, and then on a case-by-case basis, certify different countries and different populations as being A-OK. So it's, I, I really, really doubt That at the end of first the three-month period and then second the four-month period, all the lights are going to go back on in the same way. I've got to think that it's going to be different. And if they're actually doing a good job of figuring out uh, which processes work and which ones don't, it'll take longer to implement that. But uh, just based on Trump's own... Presidential record here on day nine or whatever it is, it seems unlikely to me that suddenly all is going to be like it was uh, before, uh, you know, uh, four months from now.
0: All right. Well, uh, much more at Reason.com. Matt, thanks so much for this. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Appreciate all it. All right. Too. Take
0: care. Matt Welch, uh, editor at large, Reason.com, Reason Magazine. So uh, his piece, uh, you can read it at Reason.com on what this order does, what it doesn't do, and what impact it's likely to have. Is this going to make the United States any safer? What kind of policy are they going to come out with on the other end of this? And what about those who are fleeing these situations? Do countries like Canada and the U.S. have an obligation to take in uh, Syrian refugees? There have been a lot of stories about, for example, uh, in Iraq, people in Iraq who worked with the Americans, who have helped the Americans, who were now banned from coming to the United States. I mean, is that a fair response? All right, 403-974-8255. Your thoughts when we come back here. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.